0: And welcome to episode six of Clean at Work. Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we are
0: super, as you can tell, we're super excited uh, in this episode because we've got um, Penny and James, um, in my opinion, and, and maybe they'll support this, the creators of um, Clean Language within coaching. Um, and so it's really great to have them on, and uh, especially in the context of how they use this work in the wild in businesses to help organizations be the best they can be. Yeah. Great. So, do you want to say a little bit of, you know, was I right, Penny and James? Do you take the, the credit for,
2: for bringing this from psychotherapy into this world? Yeah. Yes, I just want to be really clear, though, that we are not the originators of clean language. Um, What we did, David Grove um, is the originator of clean language and James and I modeled him um, because we were interested in uh, what he was doing. He only worked in the field of coaching and therapy and we wanted to be, A, have a model that could use this work in a wider context which includes business and organizations, and um, so that was our contribution in that way.
3: Hmm. And there, and there were others, you know. It, it wasn't just us. There were there were others around, um, even even from the early days. Um, I mean, Caitlin Walker was very involved from quite early on as well, for example. Um, yeah. But we've we've done, you know, uh, in the last twenty five years, we've used various forms of clean approaches in all sorts of business and organizational settings from consultancy to facilitating management boards to modeling performance to all sorts of things. Um, kind of, is there is this a particular area you'd be interested to discuss uh, in relation to applying clean at work? That's a good question. I
0: think for me, before we get into details of specifics, like why does CLEAN work in these environments or why did you choose CLEAN? Because you come from more of a NLP background originally, I, I understand, and that's where the modeling came from. And then you mm-hmm. took the CLEAN and, and saw something in it, I guess, and that's why you moved it forward.
2: Well, we, we come from, uh, and, and we were trained in NLP and we use the NLP skills to model David Grove. Uh, we also both come from strong business backgrounds. I was co-managing director of an organization that uh, manufactured oil field equipment for 18 years. I lived in Scotland and James was in the IT industry uh, for years before we switched careers.
3: Um, but in, a, in a way, what, what drove it was a curiosity to find out what this man called David Grove was doing. Um, that, that was, we, we saw him and we thought, you know, we've got all of these NLP skills and, uh, we're trained to the highest level in NLP and we don't know what on earth he's doing. And (laughs) so it's cool. We, but we wanted to find out. And, and then once we did find out, then we saw the richness of what he was doing. And then as Penny said, then we go, Oh my goodness, this could be used all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the question I think that you ask, you know, why is clean valuable in, in business? It's obvious why it's valuable in a psychotherapeutic setting, but why is it valuable in a business setting? Well, it, it's a great question. And I think in some ways it's kind of the same reason in that um, it, it primarily it's a way of honoring a person's experience and other people and the person themselves and everyone else learning from that. Um, and um, if you don't honour people's experience just as it is, my experience is you don't get the best out of them. They hide themselves. They, they can feel shamed, uh, and, um, and and you don't get the best. And you get all of the kinds of conflicts and petty stuff that can go on in businesses and organisations, and I've seen plenty of it. Um, And I was involved in plenty of it in the early days. I wish I'd known about this stuff, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, But uh, that's the basis. And then from that, I think once you've got that uh, basis and um, there's an understanding that my inner world is not gonna be contaminated or put down or whatever, Uh, my views have a validity, then from that, all sorts of things can then emerge from that basis.
0: It's about the honouring, and I'm making up that that creates some kind of safety where people feel that they can be heard and say, you know, maybe say things that they wouldn't necessarily say without that safety. And Mm. that kind of thing unlocks whatever potential you...
2: And staying, staying clean, using clean language, no matter whether it's what process. But if you just stay clean, then it will it will reap rewards in any business setting, any, any type of business work that we do.
3: Uh, and,
2: and, and I don't mean stay clean like in a coaching environment where you do all the repetition, but we've also written an article on c- uh, conversational clean. And so it's using clean in a more conversational way in that context. That's
0: great because what a lot of people say to me um, when, you know, I'm, I, I teach people clean language from an agile coaching context, and where to use that is that oh, when I go into the um, you know back into the organisation, aren't people going to find that kind of language a little bit strange or kind of? Um, and Caitlin often says to us that the allegiance is to rapport over the clean questions, and so I'm just wondering what's in this article that helps people with that. Um, well.
2: First of all, we'll be happy to put a link to the article uh, on this site afterwards. Um, it is about recognizing the context and, um, you know, just asking a question. Oops. Sorry, sorry. Oh, it got caught on my leg.
0: Sorry. Uh, I thought I thought uh, James was trying to you know, get it to his side again.
2: <laughs> He's that way. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Um,
3: so, so. Uh, I mean I I I I mean I've heard this plenty of times okay yeah. and um fundamentally is if the per, if you believe in the value of those questions that then they won't necessarily they're unlikely to be perceived as um as strange i had this wonderful example this is one of these perfect moments where penny and i given a presentation at some conference and a queue of people came up to have a chat afterwards And uh, this woman uh, said to me, uh, well, I work in the armed forces. And of course, I couldn't ask these questions of, you know, of the people in the armed forces. They just laugh at me. And the guy behind us said, excuse me. Actually, I work in the armed forces and I've used clean language in the armed forces and it works just fine. And I go, oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, because I, you know, and so a lot of it is about your congruence in asking the questions. If you're hesitant and doubt them, well, then why wouldn't other people? So that's one thing. Secondly, as Penny said, it depends how you deliver them. And they're ordinary, everyday questions. For example I guarantee if you go into a restaurant and you if you when you're allowed and you sit down and you order something and the person says to you anything else sir yeah that's a clean language <laughs> question you know <laughs> yeah. there's nothing unusual about the clean language questions themselves then but then it's how they how they're used
2: and your intention your intention If, you know, some people go into sales and their intention is to get a sale. Well, if your intention is to uh, help the customer self-model their requirements, then you have a very different conversation. Yeah.
1: Can you give us some more examples? Because I feel like I would like to use it more at work, but I'm afraid of it coming across weird. So I'd love some more examples so that I could try to actually implement it more in my day-to-day.
3: Okay, so it is possible, as far as I'm concerned, to have com- complete, clean conversations without asking a single, classical, clean question. Okay. That, that, that Those are not the be-all no, and no. end-all, okay? Those are... There is something special about the ones that David Grove devised, and he worked on them for a very long time to get down to the absolute essence. And on another time, we could have an interesting discussion about... Um, what kind of linguistics are involved in them but in in principle they are the reason they're clean is because they're so generic they they um they only make minimal assumptions about space and time and and form matter um that most of us in the world kind of accept so so and so that's why they they're so universal but outside of that if you bring, bring the same understanding of what you're trying to do, Penny said about your intention, then you can have a, an ordinary conversation that's absolutely clean because it doesn't have you um, uh, attempting to undermine another person's views. It, it preserves those views. It has the cu- curiosity that you want to understand about their work. You don't have to agree with them uh, at, at all. And um, what, what, what the clean language questions do and why we recommend everybody gets really good at, at using them is because they will be a self-feedback mechanism of, of what is involved in us that isn't wanting to be clean you know and and there's plenty of times when you don't want to be clean okay it's you don't have to be clean all the time well for god forbid but but when you do if you practice with the standard questions it will you will realize all the things you want to say you can't say yeah and still remain clean and and so then you go okay well i've got to do something with that that's an assumption that's a desire to prove the other person wrong that's a that's a desire to be one up or whatever okay I've got all of that, I'm human, but I've got to find a way to put that aside if we're going to have this kind of conversation. And in that respect, it doesn't matter who the person you're talking to is.
2: But if you're imbued with clean, you can do that without the questions.
3: Um, but so if and, if, and the questions, what they're liable to be, I can tell you though, is that if you look at the structure of clean language questions, they're simple and they're short. And if you, if you want to understand how clean language questions, the opposite of clean language questions, which are leading, just listen to any television news interviewer. Almost all of their questions are horribly, horribly leading because they have an agenda, which is they want a particular viewpoint to come over or they want something controversial to come out or they want to prove the person wrong. And so they have to put all this extra stuff in And, of course, politicians are very clever at sidestepping them. Whereas clean questions, nice and short, nice and succinct, and they allow the person huge freedom to answer. That's the purpose of them. You have a freedom to answer not only the content you want, but in the manner and the way that is natural for you. So go ahead and answer them.
2: Does that give you some information, Sarah?
1: Thank you. That's really helpful. Thank
0: you. Yeah, it's really great for us because we've both signed up for the clean interviewing yeah. course as well. Mm-hmm. That um, oh. you're running next year. So <laughs> this is like a little sneak peek for me into what I'm hoping to, to get an expect
3: from there. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: and you'll get a sense from that of contextually clean questions. Mm. You'll get more on that in that course.
3: And and in you know when we talk about an interview, it, most people's mind goes to kind of very quite a formal situation, a job interview or some research interview. But when we think about interview, we basically think any inf- any place where you want to gather some information. Yeah.
0: So I guess uh, this is an interview to a
3: certain extent. Y- y- yeah, I mean it's also a discussion, but but in in terms of um, that, yeah. It is, and mm. but so is I reckon stopping someone on the street and asking them the way that's an interview, mm. as far as i'm concerned, um, so or getting requirements for a computer system that's an interview uh, finding out whether someone likes a particular product that's an interview um, and any of those where you actually want to understand the other what the other person thinks and feels is is a kind of interview.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that it n- doesn't make sense to be clean all the time. Can you give us some examples of when you would want to be clean at work versus or cleanish, clean adjacent versus not being clean?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, an obvious example is, um, uh, for example, in a, a, a disciplinary situation, if you need to give someone a warning about their work and you need to tell them what they're doing, what they're not doing, what standards they need to meet, Um, you are laying down a standard that they need to meet and telling them about the consequences, for example. Um, So does that
0: mean the clean feedback model isn't uh, clean? Because that's what we would use to give that disciplinary advice.
3: You, well, see, I think, that, again, context is everything. Clean feedback model is, is, um, uh, is, is, is fine. I can give you some feedback in it. But when you get to something like, for example, disciplinary, there are external standards to which you can refer, and, and those need to be brought in, and the consequences of not meeting those standards need to be brought in. That's not inherently part of the clean feedback model. You don't, in the clean feedback model, you don't generally say, and if this doesn't happen, then this is the consequences.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You can well, go on, a, but that, it isn't part of the... There is an the, impact.
0: There's an impact stage, isn't there? And the impact is that if this carries on, then you're in, you know, you're going to be in contradiction to section 2.3 of the... So there is an impact step, but it's normally seen as the, and you probably know the model much better than I do, um, it's normally the impact on yourself rather than external elements.
3: Yeah, that's how it's normally used.
2: I think also a lot of times you have a suggestion or an opinion. Yeah. And uh, mm. that you can you have every right to, to maybe frame that, but to, to, to say it and maybe say to them, I you know, I could say something to that. Would you like to hear it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, if you, but, but you have a right to your opinions in a, in a business
3: context. Uh, I I also think that, um, you know, if, if you're doing kind of formal teaching, you, you have to put stuff in. You have to use your own metaphors. You have to tell it the way you see it, you know, um, and that's, that's okay. That's what teaching is about. Um, so it's different to a facilitation of a group, uh, for example. Um, but equally also... Um, uh, I think, I mean, I'm sure you can use the clean feedback model and uh, in in many, many situations. And I think there are also sometimes when, for example, um, if a person's crossing a boundary with you, you might want to, yeah, you might want to give them feedback, but not necessarily in a clean <laughs> way. You know? Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
3: You, Absolutely. You, know, you, you have might, a right
2: to do that.
3: You might need to make a point mm. to, in order to get over the seriousness of what's happened, for example. Um, those are just a couple of examples that, that come to mind. And if someone asks you your opinion, you mm. m- then give your opinion. I mean, I think that's something
1: me- that as agile coaches we struggle with because coach is in our name, but coaching is only a part of what we do. We also mentor and facilitate and give advice and so it sounds like i don't know if you feel the same john something that agile coaches are like constantly looking at is which approach would be best here
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's yeah. kind of like the the hardest bit of being a, an agile coach is knowing when to use what and having that balance so you need all these competencies which you can learn individually but knowing when to use which bit is the bit that comes from you know years of experience and getting it wrong a lot of the time mm-hmm. and making up. It's quite similar with this you know when to use clean and when to be dirty. Sometimes you're gonna um, you know I don't know if dirt is the right word, but not clean. You know, and and you learn by you know making mistakes. And mm-hmm. We're all human, I guess.
2: What James and I call trial and feedback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, that's a great little frame because it's mm. continual learning, trial, and feedback.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, the opposite of clean in, in my book is, is leading. And what that means is you are attempting to lead the other person's answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and
2: intentionally. Uh,
3: or not. Or not. But, but the mm-hmm. leading questions in some ways restrict another person's answer. And, Theoretically, a person can turn around you and say, look, I don't like your question. Or your question contains presuppositions that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, people can do that. <laughs> but it almost never happens, yeah. except in a very few groups of people who understand that kind of deep linguistic stuff. Most people hear a question, you just take it on as given, mm-hmm. especially if there's a some kind of hierarchy involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that's why those questions are so what's the word undercover because it's not obvious that you're being led unless you've built up a sensitivity to that and one of the great advantage about being asked clean language questions is it sensitizes your system to when you're asked leading questions and and um and that's a great advantage and over 25 years my system is highly highly tuned to that yeah, the disadvantage is it's very hard <laughs> to be at a dinner party <laughs> yeah because people are always asking me leading questions <laughs> uh, pros and cons <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I often say when I teach um, the models in clean language the the challenge is that once you know it you, you can't unsee it in our
2: relationship there was once a time when i was angry and i said to james you ask me one more question and you're a dead man
3: (laughs) (laughs) but I, I talking about you know clean in the broadest sense. I don't know if you've heard this story, uh, that we, um, but I mentioned it at Metaphorum recently. That last year, um, about twenty of the leading um, practitioners of clean in the world got together for five days, and after uh, the more after three days. Um, it was pointed out to us that we'd hardly asked any clean language, classically clean language questions. We'd had three days of discussions, and there were a few, but very a relatively small proportion. And so we said to us, how are we able to have such stimulating, valuable conversations when we're not asking the b- absolute basic clean language questions? And, and
2: everyone was imbued with clean for years. And there so we could,
3: have, in the field. we could have more open conversations and, and w- what we knew was even if people w- weren't 100% clean, w- because we could, uh, we could tell that their intention was not to undermine anyone else or push their agenda, then you, you give them some latitude for that.
2: And let me tell you, the effect of that, the creativity in that group was off the scale, off the scale, I've never, I've never been involved in anything quite like it for what came out of those discussions. Oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are at the end um, of our time. Do we wanna do one more quick question, John? Or?
0: I, I was just gonna try and wrap that piece up. So we've gone now to you know, the creativity and it's like, and I guess that's what we're trying to get to within organizations. So the mm-hmm. difference this crew kind of makes is when you get a group that are truly clean and not just using the words, but kind of it's part of who they are. Then it, it unleashes all sorts of kind of creativity and, and superpowers in a group. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, I can give you an example of, a, of an organization that um, called Genius Within, um, set up by Nancy Doyle, who, who was a partner with uh, Caitlin Walker for many, many years, uh, and it involved in supporting the neurodiverse at uh, work and in other context. Um, and clean language is absolutely part of the whole thing. Everyone gets trained in it when they, when they come in. Um, clean feedback is part of it. Uh, clean um, setting intentions and clean setup. They're all absolutely part of everything they do on a regular basis. And we were lucky enough to um, go into the organization a little while ago. Um, and it was remarkable to see the kinds of conversations they had, and how creative and productive they could be, because there wasn't all that other stuff that goes on um, in in organisations that is what, that tires people out and and gets them frustrated with work. Um, that just wasn't a, wasn't present.
2: I would say. Uh, if I were to say, give a word to my impression of of um, people is acceptance. That there was acceptance in the air of everything that they were talking about, um, even even if there were disagreements, it, they all set on that bedrock of acceptance. That's my impression of what I saw. Wow. Huge difference.
0: I, and I guess finally, having given that amazing kind of story at the end. And people are thinking, okay, well, I I want a bit of this. I want, you know, my organization to be like that. And I want to learn these skills. Where do they start?
2: Hmm. Anywhere they can get some basic clean language and start asking those questions. Uh, I'm completely biased let me declare that <laughs> but I this isn't think, a clean answer <laughs> no but I think learning the clean language questions in a coaching context even if you don't want to be a coach can be a very useful thing to do because you you get that training of put it where to place you learn where to put your attention when you ask the questions yeah you have to learn that And uh, but there are other ways where you could you could do the same thing, learn the questions in a business context, but people are going to need to ask them um, and, and learn to be spontaneous with whatever answer you get. A lot of questions we ask, we have an expectation of what they'll say in any clean language process. We have to be comfortable with not knowing what's going to come out and to go with that. So that's another skill of asking the questions that could be done um in a business it doesn't have to be learning them and coaching but i would say i I always say to people get the questions where you You don't have to think oh what was what kind of or what sort of that you have them in the muscle in every cell of your body and then you have the capacity to pay attention to what's going on outside that's what i would say
0: fantastic so uh thank you uh, for coming thank on you. and sharing your time. Uh, thank you for all those that are watching right now, and if you did enjoy it, please do like and subscribe to our channel. We're nearly at our 100 subscribers, which means we get a fancy URL, so please do subscribe so we can get that Ooh. fancy URL. Be We've on. been looking for that for some time, haven't we, Sarah? It's kind of a big <laughs> well, deal. I'll subscribe. I haven't
2: <laughs> subscribed yet. Oh, yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye.